Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. It's uh, another day that the Lord has made and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. You got to remember and realize that when God made this day, he had you in mind. Amen. And he said that this day was going to work together for your good. So I'm elated, excited about what God is doing in the heart of the earth. You know, the thing is, God has chosen to bless a people. And if you can realize that you are part of that people that he has chosen to bless, you could be elated as well. You can be excited as well because the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords has made a choice of you. Now, seeming that God wants to bless some people, right? And, but he's not going to throw away his blessings, right? He wants to give it to somebody that's mature. And um, he said that the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just, right? And so he, just like I wouldn't give my 12 year old the keys to my bins, God is not gonna give you the keys to something that you're gonna destroy, right? And so we have to grow up to um, get the things that God can entrust us with so that it can be a blessing. You see, the Bible says that the blessings of the Lord maketh rich and adds no sorrow. Well, it will add sorrow to our lives if we're not mature enough to receive what God is trying to give us, right? And bless us with. And so we have to grow to that um, place where God can entrust us with some valuable things. Can I get an amen in the house? Hallelujah. And so <laughs> we are excited um, that God has made choice of us and, and allowed us to get to this place where we can grow as men and um, grow as children of God to uh, maturity, uh, mature level so that he can bless us and he can put some things into our hands so that we can be a conduit and be a blessing unto somebody else. And so I'm excited about this um, Quest for Authentic Manhood 33, the series through uh, Men's Fraternity, uh, where it gives us some tools to use uh, and helps us with a plan to use to become that man um, that God has intended us to be. And so, you know, I, I say all the time that um, God, he anoints, there's an anointing for every requirement that God has for you. So if he's requiring something out of you, if he's expecting something out of you, he didn't leave it up to us alone to do it, right? He has given his ability over to us so that we can do it. <laughs> hey, good morning. He has given us his ability so that we can do it. And that's what the anointing is, is God's ability to do something that we wouldn't able to, we weren't able to do on our own, his spirit, right? And so that's what's important. So let us go ahead and kick off. We're in um, day 23, praise God, and we're in uh, volume four, uh, lesson five, yes, session five, <laughs> hallelujah, praise God. So let us see what the Lord has to speak to our hearts today. No, I ain't, I ain't forget your name there. Hallelujah. 
Appreciate you being on. In the last session, we looked at 10 essentials that we, as men pursuing authentic manhood, need to embrace as we live out our biblical blueprint of work. It would be time very well spent to go back in your training guide and review the spread that illustrates our blueprint. Men, it will bless you to master this material. Now, in this session, we're going to turn our attention to a number of things that can keep us from living out God's vision in our work. We call them work traps, traps that can distract us and even prevent us from living out our blueprint. I work in IT in a startup in Silicon Valley. I'm a software engineer in the healthcare IT industry. Basically what I do is I help doctors get the information that they need to help people. I'm in the arts and music, so that's what I do. The skills that I, I'm working with are things that I've um, been doing my entire life. It's really interesting coming to work every day and kind of seeing all the challenges and all the opportunities that we have. It's a really interesting field and I. I really think that I'm helping people. So basically what I do is I, you know, draw the pictures and then uh, make screen prints of them, buy the shirts, print them on, and then take them out there. And, and uh, thank God people love them and they buy them. Uh, I really like um, talking to people, helping people out with what they need when it comes to computers and uh, configuring things that they don't know how to do. And it's really exciting to see people uh, accomplish uh, tasks that they wouldn't otherwise be able to do. What I really love is overcoming challenges. It's incredibly rewarding. The excitement about it is the uh, process, the creative process, because that's a healing process. I've actually switched jobs three times in the past year. Um, a lot of that being for, uh, for money. I definitely work to make money, but that's not the only reason. I think that um, the work is fulfilling. Um, and the money is, for me, just sort of a, a side benefit. Don't tell my boss that. Uh, doing annoying, repetitive tasks over and over again. Sometimes people don't understand what I'm doing. Um, and they get confused and ask questions. When there's uncertainty, when I don't know what I should be doing or how I should really be going about it. The frustration sometimes is, say, if you have three people wanting three different sizes, Right? They really want something, but for some reason, <laughs> you have all the wrong sizes. Okay, guys, today we're talking about the work-related traps that we need to be aware of and avoid. These work traps can rob us of our joy, our influence, and our integrity. They've caused disappointment and wreaked havoc in the lives of just too many men. And if we're not aware of them, and if we don't steer clear of them, they will derail us from our bigger and more satisfying vision of work. Now, 
There are six work traps that we need to be aware of. We're going to take a close look at each one. So let's get started. Here is the first one, the unrealistic expectations trap. Some of us go naively into work, assuming that it should always go our way and be stress-free, or that we'll just glide right up the job ladder. Maybe we think that we'll continue to make more rather than less money throughout our career, or that we will always be loved and accepted by our bosses, our employees, or coworkers. Some of us are shocked when things don't go so smoothly, when we're passed over for a promotion, aren't treated fairly, maybe even let go. When our work doesn't meet our expectations, we can easily give in to disappointment, bitterness, and cynicism. And when you become cynical and pessimistic, well, you become ineffective in living out a gospel-centered vision for your work. That's why we have to approach work with a realistic perspective. Remember, the Bible teaches us that Adam and Eve's disobedience in Genesis 3 wasn't just an isolated event without ramifications. Their disobedience affected us all and introduced brokenness and suffering and sin into the world. This brokenness affects our work. We learn in Genesis 3, 17 and 18, that as a result of Adam's sin, work will now involve painful toil. We learn that mankind's endeavors will be frustrated by thorns and thistles, and that by the sweat of our brow, we'll have to earn our keep. Tim Keller puts it this way. He says that in a world broken by sin, all work and human effort are marked by frustration and a lack of fulfillment. Work is not itself a curse, but it now lies with all other aspects of human life under the curse of sin. In other words, because of sin, work is now going to include some of these thorns and thistles, frustrations like fatigue or disappointment and resistance, temptations or difficult co-workers, impossible bosses, or frustrating clients. And during our careers, most of us will experience some setbacks, seasons of fruitlessness, and maybe even unemployment or times of failure. The answer isn't to become pessimistic, bitter, and cynical, or just to keep changing jobs when things don't go our way. Authentic men manage the tension between a biblical vision of work and the realities of a broken world. Hey, whether it's in marriage, parenting, friendships, or work, authentic men strive for what God intended, but they're aware of the harsh realities caused by living in a world filled with sin. They are prepared for the battle. They aren't overwhelmed by the failure of others or even their own failure. They have healthy expectations for work. They understand that there's going to be pain and resistance and struggle, and they try to be sources of life and redemption in the midst of a broken world. As you guys know, I'm assistant manager over at Carter Supermarkets. Um, I've been in the grocery business my whole life, basically. I started off as a, uh, you know, a bag boy and then cashier and 
work my way up, um, you know, just at the family supermarkets, uh, Chuck's. My father-in-law pulled me aside one day and said that uh, he went pretty great at first. It was terrific. Uh, I'd have meetings uh, with my employees and, and had a plan. And, you know, things would be going good. Um, good old Chuck, he'd be back once, you know, maybe twice a week, and uh, he'd employs something almost completely different. I didn't know what to do. Uh, anyway, as weeks went on, it just got worse and worse. Uh, you know, it, Seems like our customer noticed and they weren't happy. Our sales were going down. I, at that point, I think I realized I had got this deal with, with maybe some unrealistic and probably unhealthy expectations. The next trap is probably the most widespread and pervasive work trap among men. In today's work-obsessed, overworked world, this is a trap that can easily entangle us. We call it the significance trap. And this is when a man attaches most of his significance, his meaning, his identity to his work. He lets his performance on the job or his job title completely define his contentment, his purpose, his security, and his hope. When he's performing and doing, well, he feels okay. His only gauge for measuring his meaning or significance is based on whether he hits his numbers or he reaches his work goals. Performance and success at work have become like a drug for him. It's the main source of his significance. Guys, this has become an epidemic in many modern societies. It's become the standard by which a man measures himself. And you know, it's why the first question most often asked between men in our culture is, what do you do? And guys, some of us take either way too much pride or derive way too much shame in how we answer that question. Listen to how one man described work's role in modern culture. We are the first culture in history where men define themselves solely by performing and achieving in the workplace. It is the way you become somebody and feel good about your life. There has never been more psychological, social, and emotional pressure in the marketplace than there is at this very moment. Can you relate to that? Has your identity and significance become wrapped up in your job? Is the line between who you are and what you do blurred? Have you become a human doing rather than a human being? Is your work identity more important to you than your relationship with your maker? Now, don't misunderstand, okay? We, we've already established that work is important. It's very important. It's a part of God's plan for your life, but it was never designed to be your main identity or to save you. It just can't bear that weight. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus. What He has done for you and what He says about you is a sure foundation for your significance and your identity. Authentic men 
constantly remind themselves that they are perfectly loved and accepted in Christ, period. They don't need their work or success to justify their existence or prove that they are somebody. They create a healthy distance, uh, let's call it a gospel distance, between their core identity and their work so that they're actually free to engage work uh, robustly, to succeed wildly or even fail miserably without their performance touching their core identity and shaking the foundation of who they are in Christ. The main identity of an authentic man doesn't come from his work. It comes from the fact that he has a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. Wow, guys, that that is so, so important that we gain our identity of who we are from a biblical perspective with our relationship with God. When we have that foundation with him and we know what he has said and we can accept what he has said for ourselves, it just takes the anxiety out of trying to always meet the mark, you know, uh, always see when you, when you are sure that God loves you unconditionally and that what he has said doesn't, is not predicated on, uh, how good you've been or, um, how you do your job or this, that, and the other, of course he has expectations for us, but he doesn't unlove us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He doesn't think less of us because of what we do. And so we can make mistakes. We can falter and fail and still be the person that God has called us to be and, and, and be in the process of becoming that man that God has called us to be. And so just because I failed in this area doesn't mean I have to stop and give up and because God gave up on me. That's not the case. And sometimes I think we as men, we want to back up from our relationship with God because we failed. No, we need to press forward towards him because he wants to assist us and aid us in being what he's called us to be. And so um, let's 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 continue with that. I just wanted to uh, jump in and 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 make that comment. Praise God. Well, you all know I'm a senior vice president in my investment firm. I grew up without my father, and we had nothing. I put myself through school. I got a scholarship for my MBA, and I had a significant opportunity at my current investment firm to be an intern. I saw a good chance to be something and to, to have it all. I wanted the big clients. I wanted my face to be on the billboard. I wanted them to know who I was. So I took my opportunity as that intern. I went in and I studied and I learned and I became big time. I mean, it was, it was great. This one particular night I closed with a client and was on my way home late as usual. 
When I got there, it was, the house was empty. No one was there. My, my wife wasn't there. The kids weren't there. And as I sat there in that empty house, for the first time, I realized that my drive for significance had left me with nothing. Men move to Silicon Valley for work. Now, now work is good. God created us to work, to work hard for his glory with the strengths and gifts and talents that he's given us. And he wants us to be ambitious and working hard for his fame and his name. But a great danger happens when you put work at the center of your life rather than God and his glory and his gospel. We've seen this issue with, with single men, married men, men with kids, men nearing retirement. It's the massive difference between working for your identity rather than working from your identity. And our culture teaches men to work for an identity. The harder you work, the more successful you are, the more you do in your career, then finally you'll, you'll have that identity as a man and you'll be somebody. But th that's slavery to live under that kind of pressure. Instead, we want to teach men how to work from their identity, ident identity given to them by Jesus based on grace, the fact that Jesus loves you, the fact that you're created in God's image. We want men to be secure in that identity as a son of God and then to work hard from that identity. A, a great, great damage happens in men's lives when they're working for an identity, when work's at the center of their life. What happens is, is marriage. That's really the first thing that gets damaged. A marriage gets terribly damaged. I was recently with a couple where a man, he's been putting in 80 hour work weeks for, for years. Now the first year, the wife didn't say a whole lot. Second year, she started speaking up a little bit more. Year three, it's crushing her and, and they're seeing irreparable damage that's now in that marriage that they're trying to work bitterness, resentment, years of neglect that they're trying to repair. A second area where real damage is caused is in terms of, of friendships. You know, we're not created to live life alone. Uh, that's not good. We're meant as men to live life in community with other men and with great friendships where we are both known and loved by other guys. But when a man puts work at the center of his life, he neglects friendships. He, he doesn't have time for friendship. And all of a sudden, the man will wake up five years later and realize he doesn't have any real friends. So, so he has no one to go to to talk about the, the crises, the trauma, the troubles that are in his life. He's, trying, he's left trying to navigate life alone. So friendships are, are left. And, and then really a third area is with the kids. Now, a man thinks when he has young kids that he'll, he'll be okay. I've got these young kids. I can spend a lot of hours at the office. They, they, they don't need me. But what a man finds is when his kids reach those teenage years and he's been neglecting them for several years by putting work at the center of his life, those kids start to really outwardly rebel. The man tries to step in and, and repair his relationship with his kids, but they don't trust him because they've never been close with dad because he's been gone at the office all the time and hasn't had time to spend time with them and to be with them. So we, we want to be men who work hard, but we don't want to be men who make work too important and put it more important than God, than our marriages, than, than our friendships and our children. A third trap to avoid is the money trap. This trips a guy up when he has a warped perspective of the money he earns. The money trap can show up in a man's life uh, in at least three different ways. The first way is through materialism. But what exactly is materialism? Well, it's when a man defines himself not by his production, but by his consumption. It seems to have become an epidemic in our modern culture. Sociologist Michael Kimmel tells us that in consumption-oriented economies, men experience their masculinity less as providers and protectors and more as consumers. You see, materialism promises us that 
the biggest house, the newest car, the fanciest toys, the shiniest rims or whatever will make us feel good about ourselves and make us appear to be a man of consequence in the eyes of others. Materialism can trap us into this mindset where the primary purpose of our work is just to work more and more, even at the expense of everything else. Why? Well, so we can make more and more money, so we can have more and more stuff, so we can look important and be happy. But guys, materialism won't satisfy. Pretty soon, the high from that new purchase will wear off. It's like Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. At best, materialism is just lighter fluid. It may produce a temporary flash, but it will never result in a lasting flame that satisfies your soul. Materialism is also the antithesis to our create and cultivate mandate. As we've already learned, God calls us primarily to give, to bless others, not just consume. We're called to add value and give life, not just buy and take. We're called to steward the money we earn, not just spend it on ourselves trying to impress others. The second way the money trap can show up in a man's life is through inappropriate debt. This is when a man unnecessarily or unwisely borrows money he doesn't have. Inappropriate debt is often the close cousin of materialism. We borrow money we don't have so we can live a materialistic lifestyle we can't afford, so we can impress people who don't really even care about us. But here's the real problem. Debt robs us of the opportunity to be a blessing, to give life to others. It robs us of our financial freedom and our mental focus. Proverbs 22.7 says it very clearly. It says, the borrower is the slave of the lender. Hey, show me a man covered in debt, and I'll show you a man in shackles and limited in his ability to bless others. Now, of course, there are times when debt might be appropriate. High medical bills or other extenuating circumstances can make debt a necessary thing. Sometimes debt can be used to fund investments that can lead to profit. But regardless, Debt should always be approached with wisdom and some trepidation. And consumer debt, debt primarily for consumption, for something that depreciates rather than appreciates in value, should be limited as much as possible. The final money trap that we need to avoid is actually the fear of money. Now, this isn't a contradiction of what we've been teaching. Many of us have gotten the notion that money in and of itself, is a bad thing. But the Bible never teaches that money itself is evil. It teaches that the love of money is evil. You see, God used rich people throughout the Bible. He used kings like Solomon and David, uh, governors like Joseph, businessmen like Zacchaeus. Money can be a blessing to you, your family, and those in need. One of the reasons we work is to earn money so we can bless others with it. And it may be that you have a skill set that allows you to build some wealth. 
You should neither be arrogant nor ashamed of that. Instead, use your skill to generate money so you can give life to others, so you can have a bigger influence, so you can be a bigger difference maker in the world for the glory of God. God may allow you to be a man of great means, and if so, well, you have a great responsibility to steward what has been entrusted to you. So guys, don't be afraid of money. Just be certain that your ultimate hope and happiness is in the life-giving grace of Jesus and not in the size of your bank account. Be grateful that God has given you the ability to build wealth and use it to bless others. Well, as you guys know, I'm a high school principal. So most of my career, I've spent taking care of the kids. But my position involved hiring a contractor for the school. The campus was kind of run down and we needed new facilities. So yeah, I interviewed a lot of options, a lot of contractors. And you know, all of a sudden this one contractor came to me and he had the lowest bid. But on top of that, he offered me a 20% cut of the deal in cash. Nobody would know, just me and him. You know, and so I took the money. It looked real good in my bank account. And I felt good too, felt secure. So, you know, I, I was on top of the world. <sighs> then I got the call. Before I knew it though, I'd lost my job. I lost my reputation and lost all my respect. A fourth work trap stems from the temptation for men to compartmentalize their lives. As one Psychology Today author stated, men have an uncanny and dangerous ability to compartmentalize their lives into mutually exclusive rooms whose walls have no windows or doors. In other words, it's easy for us as guys to treat our lives like a series of separate rooms, just closed off from one another. There's a room for our work life, a room for our family life, a room for our spiritual life, and so on. And it's easy for us to keep those rooms separate, never opening up the walls. Well, that creates a compartmentalized man, a man who is a different person when he's in church than when he's at work, maybe mistreating or even being cruel to his employees. He's so compartmentalized that he can't see the inconsistency. Authentic men live with integrity. And integrity literally means being whole and undivided. Authentic men integrate their faith into their work lives. They see their work as one of the main platforms they've been given to live out their faith. They let others experience the life-giving spirit of Jesus through them by how they treat people and care for others. Every man has different roles and responsibilities, different hats he wears, but authentic men bring the integrity of who they are into each of those various roles. The fifth trap that we want to look at is the sex trap. And hey, if we're honest, this shouldn't surprise any of us. We're guys, right? We can all be tempted here. The sex trap is when a man allows lust to invade his work life. He inappropriately flirts with his female coworkers, or he engages with virtual women via pornography. Guys, we've got to be aware of this trap. 
Be afraid of it. Treat it like kryptonite. The Bible tells us to run from it, not only because it's wrong in and of itself, but also because it'll cost you your job or even your career. Don't sacrifice your career at the altar of sexual harassment or using company computers or company time for inappropriate activity. Authentic men don't use their work computer or really any computer for that matter to go to some inappropriate website and engage in sexual fantasy. They're careful with the things they talk about, the kind of jokes they tell. They don't make inappropriate comments to a female coworker an employee, or a boss. In fact, authentic men proactively create an environment where women can feel safe and comfortable, where they're respected and where they're valued. The statistics on this stuff is staggering. Listen to this. One out of four women have experienced some form of sexual harassment in the workplace. 70% of online pornography is accessed during the nine to five business hours and 20% from an office workstation. Hey, if you travel a lot, well, you probably need to take extra precautions. You can often find yourself in a hotel or a city where nobody knows you, and it's easy to think that you can engage in all kinds of activity that no one will ever find out about. Whether it's a movie, a strip club, a prostitute, or a woman you meet. Hey guys, don't be so stupid to believe that lie. Having a double life will eventually tear your soul apart and will breed a deep shame in your heart. And it will never provide lasting happiness. It devalues your life and your self-esteem. Guys, if you struggle with this, share it with a trustworthy friend who can help hold you accountable. God designed it so we can fight these kinds of battles together. Don't try to do it by yourself. It's just too easy to fail. And hey, you're not alone in this. Embrace the power that comes from a trustworthy friend who wants nothing but the best for you. Encourage each other to live out God's vision for your work and continuously remind each other to be motivated and empowered by the gospel by what Jesus has done for you in all of your choices. The wisdom of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 6.18 tells us to flee from sexual immorality. Avoid it like the plague. If you don't, it'll blow up everything. Your marriage, your career, and your life. If we're not prepared and focused on living out a biblical vision of work, this trap can grab any one of us. I'm an experienced banker, and uh, I've been in this business for about 30 years. We find ourselves in a huge growth period for a long time, and we decided to add some people to our loan staff. So we started the interview process, and uh, this one lady came in. She passed all of our tests. I felt that she could fill a void. Uh, she had a great personality. We found ourselves working late on some projects and became even closer. One particular night, she told me how much she admired me and, and she said that if her first husband was more like me, she probably never would have left him. I was floored. Uh, 
Maybe too much. I don't know. Well, one thing led to another. This relationship became very serious, and I found that I wasn't prepared for the next step. And the next one was my marriage crumbled. Everything around me fell, fell apart. My life, my marriage, my family. I, I lost everything. The final trap we want to talk about is the retirement trap. Now, you may not know this, but the whole notion of retirement is actually a Western 20th century invention. According to a study conducted at Georgetown University, around the, the year 1900, there were 75% of men over the age of 65 that were still working. In fact, most men worked as long as they were able. And if a man wasn't working, it was most often because he was disabled. Retirement wasn't an expectation for a man's life until very recently. And unfortunately, in many modern cultures, retirement has become the ultimate goal in a man's work life. It's the ultimate end zone. It's this supposed return to paradise when we'll be free from the toil of work, and can just spend our time chilling, doing whatever we want, whenever we want. And many men feel this sense of fear or even shame if they don't think they'll be able to retire by a certain age. In this retirement mindset, work becomes merely a means to acquire enough wealth so we can stop working. The Bible doesn't make retirement the ultimate goal of life, and we shouldn't either. We're called to be creators and cultivators and a life-giving presence throughout our whole life. We never retire from those things and from God's call on our life. Now, sure, there are different seasons of life, and a man's most productive work years are typically from his mid-20s to his mid-60s. And as he gets older, well, he may need to or have the opportunity to shift how he creates and cultivates and how he lives out God's call to be an active difference maker in the world. Regardless, if you don't have the means to stop earning a paycheck, you shouldn't be ashamed of that. And if you are one of the fortunate few who can supply for your own needs without receiving an ongoing paycheck, you're still called to give your life away. You're still called to sacrifice and make strategic investments into other people. Work in some form or fashion should be a part of every season of every man's life, whether he's paid or not. By the way, economic statistics indicate that full retirement is going to be unattainable for most of us anyway. 75% of Americans nearing retirement in 2010 had less than $30,000 in their retirement accounts. And one recent commentator suggested that the inability to retire will become the new normal. The truth is that only a super small percentage of us can fund a lifetime of living on only 30 or 35 years of employment. So even if it was the right goal, it's an unrealistic goal for the majority of men. John Wooden, the legendary basketball coach from UCLA, is an excellent example of how to handle retirement. One author said this about him. After winning his 10th NCAA basketball title, 
at age 65. Wooden retired from coaching, but he did not stop working. Until the day he died at age 99, he remained involved at UCLA, wrote a number of books, and was often quoted and consulted. Now, sure, he retired from full-time coaching and probably stopped drawing a paycheck, but he continued living out a biblical vision of work even after he stepped down as head coach. He continued to use his time and his talents to create and cultivate and bless others. Guys, all of these traps that we discussed today can distract you from living out our blueprint for work. Traps that can rob you of God's best for your work life. Wise is the man who takes note of these traps and not only avoids them, but replaces them with a biblical vision for work. A vision that sees work as a vocation, as a calling, as a way to create and cultivate and be a life-giving spirit. Work traps. Guys, they're real and they can take you down before you know it. Be aware of them. Be open and talk to your buddies about which ones tempt you the most so that they can encourage you in your journey. There's great power in that. Pursue living out our blueprint with all your heart and embrace the 10 essentials that we've given you, and you're much less likely to get caught in one. In this session, we have focused on work traps, traps that are more typically related to our work lives. Now remember, this volume, A Man and His Work, is one of six. In volume three, A Man and His Traps, we dedicate all six sessions to traps and temptations from a broader perspective. We help you go beneath the surface and understand what lies behind them. It's something every man needs to experience because we help you deal with these traps at their root. As authentic men, we got to know who we are and who we're not. We need to be able to identify and understand both our strengths and our weaknesses. These work catalogs are game changers. Oh, I love it. Ever since I was a kid, I knew soccer was what I wanted to do. We are more alive, more energized, and more influential in our work when we get to operate from our strengths. A strength is not just something you're good at. It's also something that leaves you energized and feeling strong. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Truly, it's um, invigorating to know that God wants us to view work from a different perspective and um, view it from a way that we can get fulfillment from his word uh, and how he does what he does. Um, and so we're excited about we are excited about doing um putting ourselves in a place where our work can be valued, but we don't allow our work to be in the place where God should be. And so that that's a key. That's the key. Um, so like we said, you're not in this alone. We're here for you. We're here to work with you and to ensure that you have everything that you need to, you know, man up to be able to get to that place where you put work in its proper perspective, and then you can move forward in God's given ability 
and share with what he has given you and gifted you with um, to the nation, to, to the world, um, to your community, to your family. And so we're excited about that. Um, let's just keep on getting growing. <laughs> let's keep on growing and, and, and allowing God to have his way. Remember, the workbooks are essential. Um, I do have a copy I can share with you guys if you're interested, um, but uh, it's not a big investment. You know, it's about um, 15 bucks um, per volume. And we're in volume four right now, about to move to volume five real soon. And so you want to make sure that you get those booklets um, where um, we'll assist you if you need some assistance in that. So uh, this is just Antoine. We're, we're glad that you were able to view this video with us and share with us. Feel free to DM me, um, like and subscribe and share this information. God bless you. We'll see you at the top. Bye for now.